Good morning. Good morning, everyone. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to Living Hope this morning. And we want to greet each other with this greeting that's been used by Christians for a really long time. The Lord be with you. Let's pray real quick this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this holiday that we are celebrating this weekend, Lord. Thank you for the freedom that it represents for us. We thank you, Father, that um, we are still a work in progress in this nation and in this country as a people, um, individually, and as a people as a whole. Father, I, I thank you for bringing us here in this place this morning, for your presence that's here that you've invited us into. Lord, I just ask that you would be with each person that's here in this building, that will be here later, that is joining us online now or um, later from now. Father, we just thank you for each and every one. We ask your richest blessings on each and every one, Father, this morning and throughout this week. Be with us. Lord, may your presence be a, a clear and tangible presence this morning. May we know that we have been with you when we leave this place. We thank you. We praise you and give you all the glory in your name. Amen. Now, as you're willing and able, please stand and join us as we worship in music.
But as for me, I will sing about your power each morning, and I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. For you have been my refuge and a place of safety when I am in distress. Psalms 59, 16.
trust in the Lord. May your tender love overwhelm me, O Lord. For you are my Savior, and you keep your promises. I always have an answer for those who mock me, because I trust in your word. May I never forget your truth, for I rely upon your precepts. I will observe your laws every moment of the day and will never forget the words you say. I will walk with you in complete freedom, for I seek to follow your every command. When I stand before kings, I will tell them the truth and will never be ashamed. My passion and delight is in your word, for I love what you say to me. I long for more revelation of your truth, for I love the light of your word as I meditate on your decrees. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are in need of your love and your mercy. You have given us the gift of your Son, and all that we have to give to you is our praise and our love. Your justice and your mercy abounds in the world, and somehow you build a kingdom by using us, us that can seem so far away from you, but you as the Emmanuel walk with us in our pain and in our suffering. And still you use broken vessels like us to bring peace to this world, to bring healing to our friends and neighbors. Today we give you praise. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we pray that you continue to fill us with your spirit, leading us in the place that you want us to go as individuals and as a community. Dear Lord, I pray that you open the eyes of our hearts today to hear the message from Judy. We pray the Spirit be upon her. Give her the words to say. We love you, Lord, and we thank you and praise your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Uh, well, uh, if you'd like to take a moment and pass the peace of Christ to each other. Oh, we also have this ancient greeting we like to use, and I even practiced it, and I still mess it up. The Lord be with you. I'm going to get that right at some point in time. Well, if we have greeted everyone, let's go ahead and find our seats and gather back together. Um, hopefully you were able to get another cup of coffee or some snacks, a, a Danish or something, and settled in. And um, We do have a few announcements for this morning. The first one is on July 10th, which is a week from today, right? That's my birthday. That's your birthday? Happy pre-birthday, Katie. <laughs> July 10th, August 14th, and September 11th, we'll be having breakfast between the services. So next week, be, if you're here for first service, make sure you stay. And if you, I'll tell the folks in second service to make sure they come early so they don't miss out on breakfast. And then on Wednesdays and Fridays, we have Unity Cafe here. And I know the Unity Cafe has really been, um, I don't want to say successful, but much better received than maybe some people thought it might be. It's been a great thing. And if there's just something in your life that you just want to um, have someone to walk along with you on that, Recovery Cafe or Unity Cafe is a great place to do that. Um, to find other like-minded people who are on a journey that can walk with you with that. And then um, our next free bike giveaway and tune-ups is going to be um, July 23rd, right, Deb? 
July 23rd. It's usually the third week, but this, this month it's on the 23rd. All right, good. I got that right. All right. <coughs> Pardon me. Well, last week, um, if you were here, I think most of you, many of you were here last week. Last week, um, we talked about truth, right? What is truth or who truth is and where we can discover that truth and at least one thing we can do with that truth, right? And we came, we came to the conclusion that Jesus not only embodies truth, but he is truth. And what are, what, the, what are the implications of that reality? Last week I mentioned briefly that the truth of Jesus and him crucified is a gift we have to share with others. Right? If, if you were here, you might remember that we talked about Paul and his associates who preached the truth. And that all who were believers can preach truth, even if we're not preachers in the traditional sense. Remember we talked about everybody has a three-point sermon in their lives. Do you guys remember what it was? What's the first point? Pardon me? Well, your life before Christ. The second point is how you met Christ, how you were introduced to him. And the third point is what your life has been like since then. Three-point sermon. I don't know a preacher alive that can't do a three-point sermon. Except maybe me. I don't seem to be able to get that, the hang of that for some reason. <clears throat> and that's probably the quickest synopsis I've ever given of, of any sermon in my whole life. But it leads us to our next step this morning. Last week we looked at sharing the gift of Jesus as truth. Today, though, in many places, folks are talking about freedom. It's the Independence Day weekend. It's the holiday, right? So they're talking about freedom, which is not necessarily a bad thing, because we certainly enjoy freedom simply based on where we live. That's not true for everyone in the world. And though our country is <clears throat> far from perfect, <laughs> I do very much appreciate that I live in the U.S., and I try not to take the freedoms that I have for granted. But today I want to look at how the truth we talked about last week is connected to freedom. Not just as a gift to share with others, but how it transforms our lives. So let's start by looking at John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. It says, Jesus, and I, look at this. You guys, this week I got the scriptures on the screens. I know, I know, I'm, I'm learning so much. <laughs> Pardon me. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free... You are truly free. Now, in this section of John, Jesus is speaking to a group of people, some of whom believe that he is who he says he is, but there are others that don't. And a number of those folks were Pharisees. They were the guys who knew the scriptures, they knew the laws, and not only obeyed them, but enforced them in their community. They were... <laughs> I, I, can't, I just, I, like I said, when I read things, pictures pop into my head, and sometimes they're a little weird, but I think of them as enforcers, and whatever that looks like in your head, well, <clears throat> anyway. But these were the guys on the inside track of being a Jew at that time. In the verses just before these, 
Jesus had warned the people listening that they had to believe that they had to believe who he is, that he is I am, that he is one with God, or they would die in their sin because they would be separated from him. Now many in the crowd heard this message and believed. But as you can imagine, there were many who didn't, and they were mostly Pharisees. That's why in verses 31 and 32, you don't have to go back to it, Katie, I'll just read through it. He says that Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free or set you free. The Pharisees didn't appreciate that statement. Not one bit. In fact, <clears throat> they were, um, they were the ch- because they were the chosen ones. They had always been free. They, no one had ever enslaved them. And they didn't understand that Jesus wasn't talking about an enslavement by a master and being physically free, but he was talking about being free from sin and the consequences of it. In this statement here, Jesus is very direct in saying that to be his disciple, we must remain faithful to his teachings, and then you'll know the truth. If you remember last week, we talked about truth, specifically the truth that Paul and his fellow missionaries preached. That truth was Jesus and him crucified. And while Jesus wasn't crucified yet in this passage, he is still alluding to, his, to it, his entire teachings, not just the teachings up to that point, but his teachings that would take place after this point too. And that would include his death and resurrection. So this is the truth that will set people free. If we look at the next few verses, we find the Pharisees might seem a little offended. They argue with Jesus. They say, but we're descendants of Abraham, they said. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Now this statement by the religious leaders was kind of the equivalent of, don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I'm related to? Kind of like, kind of like one of those, I want to speak to your manager. <laughs> right? Every, <laughs> thank you for getting that joke. I appreciate it. Um, you know, they, they, they're like, we don't need to be set free from anything or anyone. But Jesus, not one to just leave things alone, he explains for them he's not talking about a physical slavery. Not at all, but instead of spiritual slavery. Anyone who sins is a slave to sin, period. But anyone who's following Jesus, listening to and obeying what he teaches, they're a child of the Father. Slaves are not permanently attached to the master, and that's the difference. Slaves can be sold, they can be gotten rid of, they can be set free. But a son or a child is a child forever. And when we remain in Jesus, connected to him like a child is connected to their father, that's where we find true freedom. Now Jesus, he reiterates this freedom in the last phrase where he says, if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Now if we trust that this is true, and for the sake of argument, um, let's just say that we do believe that's true, then what does that freedom in Jesus look like? 
in our postmodern Western mindset, our US mindset, let's just call it what it is, that tends to look very much like personal freedoms, doesn't it? Um, we often equate things like freedom of speech or freedom of religion or even a personal autonomy to do what we want to do as being those freedoms that come from God, come from Jesus. Our Constitution even uses the phrase inalienable, I'm going to try and get this right the first time, inalienable rights endowed by our Creator. So we think that these rights are given to us by God, that they are, they are the God-given freedoms that we have. And it would seem so on a very basic surface level. And it would make sense that we would equate these freedoms with the freedom that we have in Jesus. But if we look a little closer to what Jesus says here, I think it indicates otherwise. Though the religious leaders didn't get it at first, Jesus is clearly talking about spiritual freedom. He's talking about freedom from sin. And this realization, <clears throat> this brings us to a place where we have to ask ourselves, what do I need to be free from? Now, there's a decent chance that many of us here today have already said yes to Jesus and are following him. And he's helping us on a daily basis not to sin. It's not our desire to sin. It's not our intention to sin. And Jesus is helping us to not do exactly that. And we, we have that freedom from sin. If that's you today, that's fantastic. We rejoice in that. We truly do. But maybe that's not you yet. Now that would be your first step to finding freedom in Jesus, is saying yes to him. And even if you have said yes to Jesus and he's forgiven your sins and you're following him, that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't parts of you or parts of your life that you need freedom that only comes through Christ. Say, well, I don't need freedom from everything. I'm good. Everything, I'm following Jesus. You know, it's all good. We're just, we're rolling along. Everything's great. But sometimes we need freedom from, from the past, from our past, from addictions, from destructive or what we might call toxic people or toxic systems. Maybe we need freedom from unforgiveness or anger. Maybe even freedom from the sinful actions of others in the form of abuse against us, ourselves. This is the freedom that Jesus offers us when we believe and remain true to what he teaches, when we listen and remain in him. We know that what he teaches us by reading what the New Testament writers documented he said and did. And it is the freedom to love God and love others without the bondage of having to follow a complicated set of rules and laws that even the religious leaders of Jesus' time couldn't do, at least not perfectly enough. Paul, in his letter to the church, the Galatian church, talks about this same freedom. In chapter 5 of, of Galatians, Paul talks about the freedom we have in Christ from the law that can so easily overburden us. And before we read this, I, <laughs> I have a little story. It's a little embarrassing, but I was five. So, you know, it's not that bad. But when I was five years old, I was in kindergarten, and we were Nazarenes, 
And there was a time in the day, way back in the day, when the, the denomination had a few more guidelines for folks and how they behaved. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I went to a Lutheran kindergarten where my mom had grown up, the same church, same kindergarten, same school she had gone to. And I, can, I remember this. I remember doing this, that even at five years old, somehow I had caught this idea that following the guidelines, the rules or whatever you want to call it, set by my church equated being holy or being right with God. So one, one day in kindergarten, <laughs> it's a good thing I was cute then, seriously. I stood up on my little kindergarten chair and I was nose to nose with my teacher. I met her later in life as an adult and she was only about this tall. She seemed like a giant when I was five, but she was a little tiny lady. So I was almost nose to nose with her and I said, Miss Petronico, you're going to hell. because you wear pants and makeup. Okay, so, so we don't believe that. And trust me, there was a really, really quick parent-teacher conference with my mom that day. She, <laughs> she called and we got it straightened out and my mom had a talk with me about, you know, not everybody thinks the same way we do and it's okay. That doesn't mean that they're gonna go to hell. <laughs> which is good, which is good. <laughs> So in chapter 5 of Galatians, we look at verses 1 and one to 4, and he says, So Christ, and this is Paul talking, Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. In, in Paul's day, in the, this church, in the Galatian church, there were Jewish Christian men who are insisting and trying to make Gentile Christian men be circumcised. Because they believed that that was the only way they could truly be Christians is first they had to be Jewish before they could be Christian. The only way to be Jewish was to be circumcised. Okay, so as you imagine, this was problematic for the Gentile Christians. Um, but beyond the obvious physical discomfort of it, Paul warns them of becoming slaves again to the law. They had just been freed from the law when they believed in Christ. And now they want to go back to being slaves to the law again. They were free. Jesus had freed them from these outward requirements for holiness, telling them that they had fallen away from grace if they were insisting on following the law. And if they enforced the law, then they were subject once again to all of the law of Moses and were cut off from Jesus. If we look a little farther down in that same chapter at verses 13 to 15, Paul says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. 
But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. See, Paul here is trying to warn the, the Christians in the Galatian church not to swing all the way to anarchy. So we have freedom from law on this side. We have freedom to be who Christ has called us to be. We have freedom from the rules and regulations. We don't have to be circumcised anymore. But he's also warning them not to swing all the way over here to complete anarchy where they're just doing what they want, right? And, it, and disregarding um, all of the law. He claims that to live in freedom in this spirit-led way is to fulfill the whole law, which is very much in line with what Jesus, when Jesus answered the questions of the Pharisees to him, is to which was the greatest of the commandments? Which is the greatest law that we have? And Jesus' answer was to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. All of the law is wrapped up in that commandment. If we do everything we do out of love for God and love for others, we won't violate God's laws. But we also don't have to live in slavery to those laws. So Paul is using that foundational statement by Jesus to warn them about using this freedom in Christ selfishly, but to rather to use it to serve each other, loving their neighbors as themselves. When I think of this warning, it kind of reminds me of the saying, it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. <laughs> and there have been times I've used that concept. Um, I don't think it was necessarily using it um, in a bad way, necessarily, but it wasn't necessarily out of love for other people either. You know, I might have been trying to get away with something that had a certain level of self-gratification to it. Sometimes it's at work. Um, in my full-time job. And while it might not necessarily have been bad, it wasn't for the good of someone else necessarily either. Well, I know this is a holiday weekend, and we have a lot of opportunities to be in other places this morning. I'm, so because of that, I'm keeping this message a little shorter. There's a lot more that we could talk about this morning. I could probably do two more sermons just on this. Um, but <laughs> but Rich is good, Pastor Rich is going to be back next week, so we'll have to pick it up another time. How's that? Um, <clears throat> but just in case we got off track somewhere along the way, let me wrap up with this. Going back to last week, while the Bible contains God's truth, the truth that Paul and others preached was Jesus and him crucified. That's the truth. Jesus is the truth, and he told us that if we're in him, we would know the truth, and it would make us free. If the Son, Jesus, sets us free, then we will truly be free. And what are we free from? We're free from sin in a nutshell. But that can include our past choices, addiction, anger, unforgiveness, fear, and any number of other things. We can be free from all of this through the freedom that comes only from Jesus. Not from a government, not from rules, not from laws, not from regulations. Only through Jesus. 
And when we find that freedom, we have to use it to serve others in love and not to serve ourselves and our own selfish desires. We're to do all that we do out of love for God and love for others. And we're not to take advantage of this freedom to do whatever we want to do knowing that we can be forgiven. Maybe I should have just led with that, right? (laughs) We could have been done by now. (laughs) But I couldn't let you... I couldn't let you off that easy just to do just that and say, say, you know, call it a day. But I do want to leave you with this challenge. I can't, I can't let you go without some sort of a challenge, right? <laughs> or all, of, all I've just done is just said nice words. So the challenge is this. What is that thing in your life that you need freedom from? Is it sin? If you've not taken that first step of saying yes to Jesus, you can here and now by confessing your sin to God and believing on him enough to turn and follow him, to go the other direction than what you're going right now. Perhaps there's something else you need freedom from. Let God give you an awareness of what that is if you don't already know. Sometimes I already know those places where I need freedom, where God is working in my own life. Maybe you already know too, but if you're not sure, if you don't feel completely free in Christ, let him give you an awareness of that place where you need that freedom. And then commit that. Commit yourself to remaining in Christ as he gives you the strength that you need to be free, free indeed. Pray with me, will you? Lord, we do thank you We thank you for the freedom that only comes from you. There is no other source. There is no other place. There is no other other person or, or government that we can truly find freedom from and in. It only comes from you. Father, I thank you for that freedom that we have today. Whether we are living in that freedom already or we have not gotten there yet, Lord, you are freely offering it to us. Father, I pray for any person here who has not said yes to you, Lord, that they will, that they will find this freedom and they will remain in you, Father. I pray that each person hearing this who has already said yes to you, is already remaining in you, will continue to do so, Lord. Teach us, Lord, to be more and more like you, loving God and loving others. Show us what that looks like, Lord, what it smells like, what it tastes like, what it feels like to love God and love others, totally and completely. And then, Father, as we come to the table this morning for communion, I pray, Lord, that that this will be a, a symbol for each of us of the freedom that we have found in you, that as we take the bread and we Take of the cup, Lord, that it will be a celebration of you and you crucified, Jesus, and the freedom that we have in that, as it's the only true freedom we ever will really have. I pray that you would bless the bread and bless the cup, Father, this morning, that as you embody these elements, Lord, that we would be saying yes to you as we partake. And now join me in praying the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So as Doug and Mary come back, and we're so thankful for Doug and Mary, and they're leading us in, in music this morning. As they come again um, to lead us as we um, are invited to the table, if you, um, if you would like to line up and come forward, we have regular bread and we have gluten-free wafers. We also have pre-made um, elements here you can take back to your table. If you're not comfortable coming forward, that's fine. You are more than welcome to use the elements that are at your table as we um, part participate in com receiving communion.
Amen. Amen. And now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.